Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the CNC Replay. I'm Corey. I'm Noelle. And I did the intro, Noelle. You did there it. You, go. you switched it up. I'm super proud of you. Yeah. No more. I also, well, my brain is not functioning at the moment. I woke up 10 minutes ago. Yeah, so. why, we can't we can't tell the people this like hey like we didn't we watch we didn't watch any sports this week or I no, don't no. know anything about this topic. No, no, no. We watched sports this week. What are you talking yeah, about? We, did. we watched a ton of sports this week. We just woke up. I'm just saying in general, like we, we sometimes we just always, like we're very honest with our audience, and most sports. of our audience is our friends who probably already knows that we're suffering. So it'd be like Noel thoughts like i'm gonna be honest i didn't watch anything this week i don't have any <laughs> thoughts or like chris like hey what do you think about this and he'll just be like i don't know i didn't even know there was a game this week yeah exactly it's like Golly. you're a diehard red wings fan how did you not know there was a game you know my wife <laughs> my wife my wife school yeah you can, you can have the game on in the back that that's the beautiful thing about sports. about sports, I guess. You can just have something on in the background, and then, like, if something cool happens, you look up, like, oh, this guy hit a home run, or this guy did this. Um, but, anyway, to talk about some fluff for a couple minutes. Go for it. Have you been paying attention to the home run races at the end of this season? We talked about uh, it a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I well, I just have seen like the Twitter trickle through stuff, and Judge got his sixtieth, right? Uh, he did get his sixtieth. Okay, is that what you're talking about or no? Um, well, yes, I'm t that's half of what I'm talking about. So okay. then I don't did. know what the other half is. So Pujols, remember? Yeah. So he's he is now two away from seven hundred. Okay. So that exactly. that's that's the one that I'm still like more excited about like the judge stuff sure. is really cool and i i need to watch more like games this weekend because I've, I've missed the past few i think i missed like the his last four live but now like everybody's like kind of focusing on judge to break uh the american league record is 61 sent by or set by also former new york yankee roger maris and that was back in like right. uh the 60s or something like that oh wow that's an old record yeah yeah, yeah, it's an old record. Um, but uh, it's looking like he's going to shatter through that, I think. He could, get to, he could get to 63, 64, or he's on a pace to do that. Um, and there's two weeks left, essentially, for Albert Pujols to hit two home runs. And I'm still in the boat that we will never see another player hit 700 home runs, ever. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's the one, like, I really, really want bad. Because, yeah, like, be careers are still kind of, they're relatively shorter, given, like, the the average, the average, like, rookie still sits at that age 24, 25 season. Mm -hmm. um, and everyone's like, well, what about Aaron Judge? He could probably do it. Well, Aaron Judge is, like, 30. Right. So, like, he's yeah. kind of heading into, like, I'm not going to say that. Yeah, he, he's closer to the end than it than is the beginning as far as his yes. his prime. Um, yes. But you know, for Pujols, that would be just like monumental because at the beginning of this year, no one expected him to like get anywhere close to this. They just expected a swan song. But now, like, there's people talking about he's going to win Comeback Player of the Year. Um, 
he's going to ride off into the sunset, retire as a Cardinal. And then I also saw a stat, too, that this year is his worst year as far as, like, OPS on base plus slugging in a Cardinal uniform. That's a wild stat. Right, because... That's wild. (laughs) Because if you think about it, he's 42 right now, something Mm -hmm. like that. And he spent, like... 10, 11 seasons in Anaheim, every single season in Anaheim and Los Angeles too, because he spent half that year with the Dodgers, his mm-hmm. OPS was worse than it was right now. What? Yeah. Wow. Or just about worse. Wow. I think I think it's pretty even in a couple of seasons. But like, and he definitely wasn't the player he was in Anaheim, mm-hmm. but he had a couple of years where he hit 40 home runs. And yet, still, his OPS was lower than it was now. So I'm, I'm just like, that doesn't that doesn't compute to me right. at right. all. But if you're bored, if you have ESPN Plus, if you don't find a login from somebody, watch some of these games because you can see some history and you can be like, oh wow, this this guy and this tall man and this old man are hitting home runs and that's fun for sports. Mm-hmm. But Speaking of fun for sports. Fun for sports. And you know what, Noel? What are we? I, I don't know what you're trying to get out of me. <laughs> we are a Detroit area sports, sports podcast pod, yes. where we talk about Detroit area sports. Yes. So, and we had a fun week. Oh, man. We had a fun 10 days because it's been about 10 days since we recorded last. We've both been busy. We um, we were celebrating. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's just been five days of partying. Uh, not really on my end. I just a fist pump, yay, and then going about the rest of my life. Um, the Lions won a game. They did. They did. They won, won a game, game they were slated to win. Correct. And what did I talk about last week, Noel? Bro, I don't remember. Golly, we we are so good at this. <laughs> what did you talk about? They need to win the games they're supposed to win. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Win the games you're supposed to win. I do remember and, that. And the Lions, by some smart man in Vegas, were favored in this game. And they ended up not only winning the game but covering the game as well. The Lions beat the Washington Commanders 36-27. to I think they they opened as like a two-point favorite, something like that, and then they ended up winning okay. by, they ended up winning by nine. So, like, nice. they, they, they covered comfortably. But I just want to give you some stats. Now, let, let's, I guess let's talk about the bad, okay? Um, Carson Wentz. Washington Commanders quarterback. Uh, the Lions still gave up a ton of yards. They gave up 27 points. Um, mm-hmm. Carson Wentz at times looked like a very serviceable quarterback, and I think he's also third in the NFL in passing yards. So playing Lions <laughs> defense kind of helps that. But he was 30 for 46 for 337 yards with a 7.3 average of yards per completion. And he threw three touchdown passes with a quarterback rating of so his QBR was a 53.3 but I think that's due to his interception that he had and at the timing it was Mm -hmm. um but yeah multiple receivers I think 
Well, four receivers on the Commanders had over 50 receiving yards. Um, and I just want to keep looking here. Um, wow, this is a lot of dead, dead space. But, <laughs> like, right. if, if, you look at the, if you look at the stats, you look at um, the actual play on the field, like, Washington put up a good fight. And Washington, mm-hmm. you know, essentially was able to, you know, march down the field fairly often in this game. It was. Um, I remember sitting because I was at a friend's house um, watching the game. And I feel like a lot of the times I'm very distracted during Lions games because there's not usually a lot going on, yeah. uh, at least on the Lions end. And this was a game that I was pretty attentive to. Like, it was a fun game to watch. Oh, absolutely. Like, it wasn't just like. I don't know, like the uh, yeah, it was it was a fun game to watch, and I think that was kind of the sentiment among everybody at, at the house was just like, hey, why why are the Lions fun to watch right now? Like we well, can't just like chat about things that are happening. Right, and it helped that they went up twenty two points right off the bat. I mean, yes, at, essentially at halftime it was twenty two zero, so everybody's feeling there was really a security blanket. Everyone's feeling really good, so I guess it's a tale of two halves. Mm-hmm. It, everybody was shocked at the first half score. Like right. and Washington couldn't do anything, but they the Lions let the Commanders get back in the game, and I think it was as close as a one possession game. Like I think it was mm-hmm. within seven, um, which every Lions fan is having PTSD at that moment. It's like, oh gosh, are we actually going to do this again to ourselves? Uh-huh. Um, because yikes, we can't. Yeah. We can't. At that point, twenty two points wasn't a big enough gap. Correct, um, but they didn't. SOL, um, they held on, they covered, and they brought home their first win of the season, and like also the, their best start of in like the past like I don't Decade. know five seasons, which is really sad considering it's a one and one start. Um, oh. But Gosh. as far as the good, uh, Noel, do you know who has scored the most points in the NFL this season? DeAndre Swift? Um, team, team-wise. Oh, I team. Should have phrased, uh, I shouldn't phrase that better. I was like, I don't know. Uh, the Lions, right? No. The Buffalo Bills have scored the most points. Oh, that's right. But do you right. know Buffalo. who is tied for second? The Lions. <laughs> the Detroit Lions have the second-best scoring offense after week after mm-hmm. week two of the NFL season with Jared Goff as their quarterback. Yes, this they've is been, true. They've been lighting up the scoreboard. It kind of helps when I you would have two. Be, sorry to cut you off. I would be sure. interested to see what the um, the comparison between points scored and points allowed is between them and the other second place team. Who is who's the other second? Who's also at second there? The Chiefs. Okay, I would be very interested to see the point deficit between the two. You know what I mean? Just yeah. because then you would be comparing defenses and the Lions' defenses. Well, at the well, I can I can tell you what uh, the Chiefs have not given up as much points as the Lions have. So I didn't think they would have. Mm-mm. No, but um, so that's cool. Um, that is exciting. Jared Goff looked like a serviceable quarterback, which I think we could all kind of see that. Not like I don't want to be like, oh, we all thought he was going to be good, but like Hard Knocks mm-hmm. did a good job of like because he didn't get a whole lot of screen time, but it was mm-hmm. like 
they were talking like they were focusing on the backup quarterback battle because it's like oh Jared Goff's solid like we're excited about him and it's like right yeah they haven't showed him the stuff that they did show like it looked good so it's like like quietly instilling confidence Mm -hmm. in him as like the leader of the team and I think you're able to see that a little bit because like Jared Goff's not going to be a guy who's going to like wow you he just needs to be a quarterback that's going to like not make the mistakes and I think mm-hmm. in last week's game, that's true um, to what he did because he was very efficient uh, as well. Um, he had a passer rating of uh, 121.7. He also had an average uh, an average yardage per reception of of seven, just a little bit better than uh, than uh, Wentz. And he threw for four touchdowns with no interceptions. Um, so that's pretty nifty. But also, mm-hmm. I would like to add. Um, the Lions had 191 rushing yards. Oh my gosh! And that wow. almost like that almost doubled, or I think it more than doubled the Commanders' yardage total on the ground. So Amon Ra was your leading rusher with 68 yards. Uh, DeAndre mm-hmm. Swift uh, had 56. Jamal Williams had 53, and uh, Craig Reynolds had 16. Um, so they got it done in the air, 256 passing yards, and then just as efficiently on the ground with 191. And then how could we, there's two things I want to talk about. Number one, DeAndre mm-hmm. Swift scored a receiving touchdown while falling down. Mm-hmm. So Goff, it wasn't a good pass from Goff, and Swift caught it, but he fell down. Swift immediately got up, up, scampers into the into the end zone, and I'm like, that's a play that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And it was like, and then it became like a meme where it was just him like flat on the ground. And that was because he, he was, there was nobody around him. It was just him on the ground surrounded by a bunch of green. And Mm -hmm. then like all the captions were like, he made this a touchdown question mark. Um, like, yeah, it was a, it was a wild play to watch. Unbelievable. I, I, it was crazy to see like a play like that work out in the Lions favor. Mm -hmm. And I was just, I I, like stood up. I'm like, this doesn't happen. This didn't happen. They're, they're gonna do it. What? They're they're gonna, they're gonna do this. And I was watching. I was watching at a buddy's house the Colts game, and I was like, "Well, this game is atrocious because the Colts didn't score any points the whole game." So I pulled oh, up the. I pulled up an illegal stream and got to watch my Lions in the second half. Um, and I saw that play, and I stood up, and everyone's like looking at me, and it's like the, the Lions just scored a touchdown, <laughs> and they're like, "What's that? We've never seen one before." Um, Careful now. <laughs> right. So. Two things I want to talk about, too. Number one, yep. Amon Ra St. Brown is him. He is the truth. The sun god. He is it. And weren't we, talking, weren't we talking about this last year? I think so. We definitely we, had mentioned him a bunch. I know, like, it was, like, popular, like, at the end of the year. But I think, like, after the first few games, we're like, Amon Ra seems like a serviceable receiver. And now he's, like, a top five receiver fantasy wise and then also like we're getting national coverage for this guy so he's mm-hmm. i think he's at eight games in a row with eight receptions or more um dating yep. back to the last year and yep he had just under 200 yards of total offense in that in sunday's game and just receiving he had nine receptions for 116 yards and two touchdowns i have him on two of my fantasy teams. He scored me almost 40 points in both of them. Nice. Um, nice. Did you I, also see 
the stat, and stat, or just like a little fact that he hit 21.09 miles per hour, I which did was see the that. seventh fastest time for a ball run this in the first two weeks. Mm-hmm. And like, he was never touted to be like a, a speed demon, right? He was just kind of like average guy with a good run ability, but he's also fast. <laughs> Correct. No, and I, I think that's, I remember seeing that play. End arounds don't work in the NFL. Mm-hmm. This one did because Amon Ra is a freak and mm-hmm. he just kicked it into another gear. That's I think that's what like NFL scouts, coaches are always looking for is like, does that player have that extra gear in him? Mm-hmm. And you could you could physically see him take he it up a notch. Yeah. So this is gonna be fun. And the best part about this is our first round draft pick, Jameson Williams, hasn't even hasn't even touch the field yet mm-hmm. who was who was literally i think the fastest receiver in college football last year mm-hmm. coming off an acl injury so that's probably gonna be weird it'll take a minute it'll take a minute but have him on the outside and have Amon ra as your slot mm-hmm. watch the frick out Oh, and by the way, we didn't even mention uh, Aiden Hutchinson sets a sack record, a, a Lions rookie sack record with three sacks yep. in the first half. Yeah, remember when we were talking about like, oh, should we be concerned? Well, and, we like, had decided no. Right, we had decided no, but like we weren't happy about. But it was point. a conversation that we were having. Yes, Co- correct. Um, and to shift that discussion on defense just a little bit, you have like the individual performances that are good with Hutchinson. Uh, and then uh, Rodrigo was, I think, still the second, like, the second highest, like, rated defender this week by Pro Football. Probably. Focus. That man's a beast. He's he's just, he's the muscle hamster. That nickname's been given, <laughs> that nickname's been given a lot to a lot of different people in the NFL. But the, the guy is a walking muscle. He's a freak. He's an absolute freak of nature. But. Solid performance from him, breakout performance from Hutchinson. Mm-hmm. Pieces emerging from this defense because uh, somebody's going to need to do something to prevent all this yardage from happening. And Okuda's looked pretty good, too. Um, and his his absence has been noticed on the field mm-hmm. when when he's not on it in a positive light. So usually, like, when somebody's not on the field and then they shut down and then they put them back on, like, that's what we're expecting and what we'd expected from Okuda, especially in his rookie year. Like, just giving up tons of yards uh, to, to some of the NFC North's, like, top receivers. Now he's kind of becoming that lockdown guy that he was advertised to be. It just took a couple of seasons to do that. Um, that's the defense. Last thing I want to talk about, DeAndre Swift, okay? Mm-hmm. I don't want to understate this by any means. Okay? Yeah. He's, right rushed the, he's rushed the ball 20 times. Okay. 200 yards. <laughs> His average rush per carry is a first down. Jeez. That's clearly number one yeah. in the NFL. Yeah. Yep. When have... We haven't seen that. Nope. Since since Barry, I don't even think he did. I, I literally well, saw a video that was just a Barry Sanders compilation, and 
it probably was heavy handed, but it was a Barry Sanders compilation and it was just DeAndre Swift this season is the caption. Oh, like yeah. that's <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Can people I this is what drives me nuts. The the Stafford uh deniers, right, are out again because after this yeah. game it's like, oh God, like the Lions oh, another thing, the Lions have scored thirty or more points in three straight games for the first time since the fifties. So crazy stat. Wow. <laughs> Yikes. And then they're like, oh, Stafford never did that. Well, Stafford never had a rusher who was averaging a first down every time he touched the ball. Mm -hmm. People don't understand. Like, you have to look at the full ticket. You have to look at the full docket, okay? And then also, you have to look at the the personnel, too. Stafford never had a coach with at least this amount of culture. I'm not ready Mm -hmm. to say Campbell is a good coach quite yet. But that was a game they won because... People bought in. They did their jobs. Yeah. And the Lions have won games like that in the past. Like, the same old yeah. Lions have won games like that in the past. But you're looking at the way that they are doing it. They were equally as efficient in the on, in the air as they were on the ground. And you having a running back who is, who is literally can get you a first down at any given time, that's, mm-hmm. that's Sanders-esque. Mm-hmm. But Sanders never had a quarterback. Right. So, and that's why he was one of the greatest players in NFL history because everybody knew they were going to run the ball and he still popped off for all of these highlight reel, like, runs. Mm-hmm. People don't realize how important this is because if you can keep this run production up, you will open up passing lanes, keep guys open, make those throws even easier for Goff, and that that's what worked for Goff in uh, uh, Los Angeles. They were a well balanced offense, and they were able to you know almost like create reads for him. And I've I've heard some arguments of like that hurt his production. That's fine. Um, not, well, it's not fine, but like you will I take mean, it as a counter argument. <laughs> well, I'll take it as in if that wins us football games, I don't care. <laughs> right right (laughs) you know like i don't care if his production is we or and like he can't like naturally find reads himself i don't think that's the case because he's looked much better he looks much more comfortable this year as compared to last year Mm -hmm. if you're a dual threat offense you are going to win games in the nfl regardless of how many yards you give up now Mm -hmm. your defense will bite you in the butt later that's that's very much been seen by this team um but you also win games like this, regardless of how well the opposing uh, offense performs on your defense. But we've seen signs of that the defense is getting better. We just need to put it all together. So from last week, the synopsis of just being like, this is the same team, it's the same story, they had a chance to win and they didn't, to, okay, you're favored, what are you going to do with it? It looked like they could have blown it, but they didn't, and they looked mm-hmm. impressive doing it so mm-hmm. i'm a bit more encouraged this week yes. you, you go on the road you go play the vikings in your first divisional game i'd really be interested to see how they perform um the first game away from um uh detroit because the the narrative has always been to um lions can't win on the road and until we see it like that's going to be you know that's what we're going to think. I'd like to mm-hmm. see what they look like away. Um, 
away from the fans. Um, and then also Kirk Cousins at a not prime time slot looks like Tom Brady in his prime. Um, so this will be a measuring stick to see how well they'll 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 play against the the rest of the division. Yeah. So good stuff. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Um, my only other thought or thing to mention is that Dan Skipper has got mm. his NFL start. So like that was just a, a feel good story. Um, for those of you who don't know, he is his this is his seventh sixth year. Sorry. Six year in the NFL, and he just had his first start on Sunday, and like got a shout out from Dan Campbell in the in the room, and then the room like erupted, like dancing, clapping, shouting. I don't know. It just feel good story, and then also the the culture of the yeah. team, and being so excited for one of their teammates. Obviously, it's on the back of a win, so like. Set like emotions are always heightened. Um, it's really hard to get a, a winning team down, but like, I don't know. It's just a really wholesome video. You can tell he was on the verge of tears. Like, it was just it was just a feel good story, which are always my favorite. Culture matters. I mean, it's yeah, you, you can see it absolutely. Like as much as they were excited for the win, they were excited for their teammate, and mm-hmm. um, that can that can take you places. That can mm-hmm. that can get you over the hump. Absolutely. Um, but should we should we just should we talk about should we talk about the tigers? Is that what we're gonna yeah, do? let's go for it. We're talking about Might the as tigers. Well. We have something positive to talk about. This we time. have something positive to talk about. Now we can before we get into the week discussion of games. Mm-hmm. Some news was made about our good old baseball cats. In the fact that they hired a new president of baseball operations, baseball operations, yes, is Scott Harris. So, who is Scott Harris? Number one, he's not internal. So, thank the good Lord Almighty <laughs> that he is not an internal candidate. But yeah. this is this is who Scott Harris is. Scott Harris is from the Theo Epstein uh, executive tree. So, remember. Um, and he was the current general manager of the uh, San Francisco Giants. Why is this significant? Well, last year, the San Francisco Giants won over 100 games, and they won the NL West, taking it from the Los Angeles Dodgers for the first time in like six seasons. And how did they do that? They, they, were, able, they were able to develop veteran talent as well as their minor league talent is what it was a good combination of some of like reshaping veteran contracts people who looked like they were past their prime and then you know rejuvenating their career um but as well as getting some like maybe not highly touted prospects to fill in the rest of the gaps and the giants always seem to have a knack in the postseason and they're they're a consistent postseason contender at least under at least under harris's regime um, and, uh, they were able to do that with a good combination of young and veteran talent, um, mm-hmm. having to do a lot with Scott Harris. So I just want to talk about some talking points that Scott Harris talked about. He didn't give a timeline. Okay. For nope. quote unquote rebuild. But mm-hmm. he said, we're going to make some productive moves this winter to be a competitive ball club. 
we're going to focus on athleticism as we develop mm -hmm. our talent. Mm -hmm. And I can see that this team is more important to the city than I will ever know. And I want to take that into consideration for every move that I make. So yep. I'm not going to dog on Avila. We're past that point. But just hearing, so Harris is a younger guy, but he's also somebody he's who's like, yes, he's 36. He's a 36 year old executive who's like the same age as Miguel Cabrera. Um, but comparing the way he speaks as Al Avila spoke, like he just sounds more intelligent, more knowing what is going on in his organization, which at times that was a big uh, red flag for Tigers mm -hmm. fans because you would hear Avila talk and you'd say and you'd say, does he really know what's going on here? So I think the thing that I want to take away is that Harris has a clear sense of direction yep. with where he wants to take this team. And we don't know that quite yet because you can't really be like, oh, this is my plan, this is what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna sign this, 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 and that. Um, but he said, I'm gonna make some moves. I'm gonna mm -hmm. focus on athleticism. And I know that like this team, this city is desperate to see this team good again, and I right. I want to make sure I do good by that. Um, yeah. So I think uh, the sorry. No, you're good. Keep going. I think the thing that stuck out to me the most in like all of the coverage of everything was specifically the um one of the descriptions. I can't remember what article it was from, but said that he was an expert in analytics, which oh, is something that goodness. the Tigers have not had ever, basically. Um, and is something we've been desperately needing. And so that is what I'm excited about is he doesn't even have to be young, but just a guy that is willing and able to look at those and to analyze that to get a team that knows what they're doing in regards to that and then move forward with training and everything from that standpoint. Because we've come to know how important analytics are in baseball. And I I don't know. I feel like that's going to be a big change and I'm excited to see where it leads. Well, it's just even the infrastructure too, because Robbie mm -hmm. Grossman was traded to the Braves and then he instantly said like, Oh, like we have like, like resources in this clubhouse that I didn't have any access to in Detroit. And that's a problem. Yep. And yes. like, like Hinch talked about that. He's, he said that like very like, I don't want to say candidly, but like he was like very, he gave a very smart answer and was like saying like, if this is how he feels, then like, then it's probably true. And we need to like take like an inside look at that and how we can get mm -hmm. better. Um, and this is what something that Harris, I would assume would try to bring into this club. We're going to bring this club into the 21st century. And then hopefully, I don't know, maybe, fi yeah. maybe fix the way that we have, like almost less home runs than Aaron Judge as a team. That's not that's not true. Yeah. That's not true. But like Robbie Grossman was like a different player when he went to the Braves. And that's because the Braves uh analytics and then also the way that they, you know, uh I don't want to say scouting, but just like like the infrastructure that they had to make players better, to look at things mm -hmm. that were wrong with their swings, like they had and the Tigers for whatever reason didn't. That's a problem. But that's not a problem in an organization like the Giants. That's not a problem in an organization like the Dodgers. And Harris also said something uh, very interesting uh, as well, that he's not going to copy what these 
teams are doing because you'll either always be, you know, following them mm-hmm. and never and somehow doing it worse than they did. So I thought that was a very interesting comment because like, okay, he's going to take some of the things that made those teams successful, but he's going to make it into our own like thing. Because mm-hmm. like, if you try to, you know, create the same, like, um, uh, the same thing in a different place, it's always going to be less than the original, which I thought was very interesting. Um, he also said he's going to hire a GM. So he's not going to be the the person to make the trades. Um, I mean, he'll be, he'll be on like the, I don't want to say the board, but he'll be making decisions. He'll be a voice in the room. Correct. And he'll like have, he'll like take place in some of the scouting and then development but then the general manager um, will be um, that, you know, the face of making trades, making acquisitions and all of that, uh, like contract negotiations, blah, 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 all that stuff. Um, so I'm excited to see who that person will be. And maybe, no, I'm not going to say that because I think I'd still be pretty bummed um, if they hired from within for that one. Because our inside source, wink, wink says that they wouldn't be surprised if uh, Sam Menzen uh, would be hired to be GM, which I guess that's still on the table. Um, but uh, I would like to see them go someplace else because you've had essentially 10 years of this. Get a new voice like you did yeah. with Harris. Get a new voice it's for someone who can make deals um, mm-hmm. in a different light. Um, so... Uh, that's exciting. I think it is. The other fun fact that we didn't mention is that Steve Eiserman was a consultant Ooh. on on who was chosen for this position. Literally, everybody was joking that Steve Eiserman needs to save the Detroit Tigers, Tigers baseball. I know, and he might. <laughs> he might have. He might actually get credit for that later in life. He might. Can you imagine like, the ti- the Tigers? The, the Red Wings win the Stanley Cup. The Tigers win the World Series. You could make the argument that Steve Eiserman saved both franchise teams. Yeah. That would be so funny. Well, I'd be ecstatic because instead of that Tigers flag right there, I'd have a, I'd have a Tigers World Series flag. I'd replace mm-hmm. it. Um, mm-hmm. But then I'd be like, man, Steve, Steve, no joke. Steve Eiserman then could be literally the most important sports figure in all Detroit sports, if not yeah. be great. So, like, I mean, he's already, like, up there. He's already in that mm-hmm. discussion. Mm-hmm. But if he does that, are you yeah. kidding? Whenever his biography or autobiography or whatever gets written, that's going to be a really fun chapter. I'm going to want that to be, like, a whole chapter, just about him somehow getting in on the Tigers' hiring process. Like, that's hilarious. Well, do you remember, uh, this was, like, almost a year ago, when my brother-in-law, we talked to Ken Cal. Yeah. So, and Ken Cal was telling us that all of like the executives in Detroit like meet and hang out. It's not just the Red Wings and the mm-hmm. Tigers. And the mm-hmm. Lions would come in and they would just like tell the Red Wings what to do instead of like the right. other way around. And he was like, How? like, it's such like an organizational thing. Like, like mm-hmm. it goes down to that because like they don't even know that they're bad. So we had a bad team. <laughs> who had no sense of direction, they're like, we need to figure this out. Who has a sense of direction in this town? The Red Wings. Let's talk to, let's talk to Steve Eisman because he seems like a competent yeah. leader. 
And then Steve yep. is like, I like this guy. And they're like, okay, right. we do too. Get over here. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what, that's what you need to do. Like in anything ever in, in life, if you're uh, deficient in any sort of area, you go talk to somebody who's efficient in it. And then you take notes and see how you can mm-hmm. get better. And that's what the Tigers did with this hire. Um, it's just crazy. But what I found really interesting is that um, Iserman had a presser for, I don't know if it was training camp opening or something. He was, you know, in front of the press. And one of the questions was like, hey, you were a part of this Tigers thing. Like, talk to us about that. And he said that he could have spent, like, Iserman said that he could have spent all day picking Harris's brain and talking to him which I thought was really interesting of just like, like Steve doesn't even see himself as like the big dog here. You know, it, he is willing to learn even though he's very good at his job. Like, I don't know. I love, I love the idea of just like our four general managers, operations, people sitting in a room talking about how to make their teams better. I love that little sound bite. <laughs> That makes me really happy because it, yeah. it was very clear that Eisenman was the GM that knew what he was doing in this town. And then mm-hmm. now he's saying, I want to pick this guy's brain. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, oh my. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Don't you dare give me hope for the next Detroit Tiger season. <laughs> Don't you do it. Don't he you do it. can't handle another fail. I can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah. And once once the season actually ends, I think I'll, I'll give what I want this Tigers sure. team to do. Um, but sure. I just want to comment on this last week's slate of games or just have a takeaway. Um, Tigers did play a little bit of spoiler. They won a series in Baltimore, um, which was cool. Akil Badu kind of got off the off the schneid. He hit a home run, his only second of the year, and it was a tank, by mm-hmm. the way. And he's made it went some... Like, it was like 440-some feet, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, no, it, it was crazy. It was, it was a no doubter. Um, so that was good to see, and I think that's what you need. I I don't know. This hurts me because I don't know what Akil Badu is going to be for the future of this team. Mm-hmm. He's only twenty five years old, so I don't really want to necessarily give up on him yet. Um, and given the new regime, I think they're just going to cut a lot of the dead weight uh, on this roster um, yep. because we, we already have a lot of, you know, soft hitting outfielders who are better mm-hmm. than Akil Badu right now. Like mm-hmm. in a Victor Reyes, um, not a Riley Green, but he'll he'll develop. But he seems to be the he seems to be your solidified um, uh, center fielder of the future. Um, I was looking at his Baseball Reference page last night. He's still hitting under two hundred. His on base percentage is still under three hundred. His OPS is still not very good, um, but he has a, a positive WAR this year. Interesting. Given his defense. Right. So I think if you keep him around as a def- like a defensive replacement or a speed guy or something like that, that's what will mm-hmm. if he doesn't develop further with his with his bat, that's his that's his ceiling. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you think the sorry the analytics piece of like the new people coming in is gonna help him at all? Absolutely. With the swing. Absolutely. Okay. I think it would have to. Well, you're gonna you're gonna fire Scott Coolbaugh in the off season. I don't know why he's still here. I don't know why he's been here right. all around because you were literally having a historically bad offensive season. I don't I don't get it. But mm-hmm. with the new regime and Hinch still being there, 
you you got to show something to like keep this yep. guy here. Um, so, and like I even me like a simpleton looking at Badu's swing from last year to this year, um, it looks a lot more like flowy or like mm. or or feathery because mm. he was a lot more direct last year. And like he's like his bat, I think is a little bit higher, and you know I think that's like a lot more soft contact. Um, I don't want to see him go, but I know the Tigers are going to sign an outfielder um, this offseason, and that's just a matter of who else are we going to plug in um, as we mm-hmm. as we move forward. Because Meadows is coming back, you'll have Riley Green, um, and you're, I think you're going to sign an outfielder. So that would lead right now um, your utility man of Harold Castro. Victor Reyes as your fourth outfielder, and teams usually don't keep five outfielders, but they might. And then, given Meadows' injury history this year, um, you might have to. Um, okay. So I don't really know what they're going to do there, but uh, some other bright spots. Um, Matt Manning's looked pretty good. He seems to be solidifying himself as a rotational piece, and he's stayed healthy, which is great. Um, Spencer Torkelson has bounced back, which is what we were looking for. I think I saw a stat that since mm-hmm. he's since he's been called up, he's hit, he's hitting two eighty three, um, and he's also hit the ball pretty hard, um, which is encouraging to see. Yeah, he he needed time. That's the story on this guy. He was fast tracked the second he got here, lost a year of development, um, and was fast tracked to opening day because we literally didn't have another first baseman to put. In, in, in that place. He was literally right. the organization's best option at first base. Mm-hmm. And he very clearly was not ready for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it seems like he's getting a little bit more comfortable. Again, these are games that don't matter. So Matt Manning starts essentially don't matter, but like you'd rather see good performances than bad. Uh, another player I want to talk about, and this is, this is what I'll leave it at, Gary Carpenter has six home runs in 100 plate appearances. Technically speaking, he has the highest OPS on the team. He's batting 275, um, and he's been fairly impressive. Now, he's a little bit more positionless. So he's, been, he's been a DH most of the time, and I think if he gets in, he's like in the outfield, um, which is... It's one of those things, like, if you can hit, they'll find a place for you uh, on defense. Um, mm-hmm. But we have, we, have a, we have a designated hitter, at least for one more year. And Harris said he's going to talk to Cabrera um, on what's going to happen with him. Right. And I don't think Cabrera's going to retire. I think he's going to get his, rightfully so, he's going to get his swan song, and he should, um, for all that he's done. But Kerry Carpenter has been a bright spot. And he hit 30 home runs in the minor leagues this, this season. Um, and he seemed to, after a slow start, kind of pick it up here. Um, got 10 RBI, six home runs, and OPS is 868. Um, and he has, uh, his strikeouts aren't that great. He's got 30 strikeouts. Um, but an on-base percentage of 330. For a younger player, and given how poorly the offense has been, encouraging. Mm-hmm. I like I like to see what he does next year. He's going to be a very interesting bat to look at uh, in spring training to see, a where is he going to be, 
is he going to be able to keep that same level of production? Because in in just however many games played, I don't even know how many games he's played, but in just uh, he only has ninety one at bats. Okay, in just ninety one at bats, um, he's like I think third on the team in home runs. That's not true. Wow. That's not true, but he's he Javier Baez I think has fourteen home runs and Kerry Carpenter has six and he's played in like a fraction of games that Javier Baez has played in. Yeah. So over the course of the season, he probably would have been. When did we get Kerry Carpenter? He was Did's a call he up. Yeah, he was a call okay. up, and he was a prospect. He's a prospect that kind of explodes. So it was like a Badu thing. So like Badu is okay. a Rule Five. Kerry Carpenter was not a Rule Five, um, but yeah. Um, kind of exploded onto the scene, became good. Um, and uh, Kerry Carpenter changed his swing last year in the minors, and he was like on the cusp of like not being a prospect anymore. And then, mm-hmm. boom, 30 home runs in the minors this season. Um, so, encouraging, I would yeah, say. For sure. So, our, he's sixth on the team in home runs. Behind Baez with 14, Candelario with 13, Haas with 12, Scope with 10, Castro with 7, and Carpenter with 6. Okay. okay. And and Carpenter has played a fraction of the games that right. those five players have. So he's literally one home run away from being top five on the team in home runs. Power from the left side, too, mm-hmm. as well. And honestly, I don't know how he does it because his swing looks weird. I need you to go watch watch some some highlights of okay. Kerry Carpenter's swing, especially that home run that he hit in Baltimore uh, the other night as well. Um, it it just it's interesting. I don't know I don't know how he gets the power that he gets, but hey, he's he's twenty five and in the big leagues, and I'm twenty five and doing a sports podcast, so he must be doing something right. But um, some encouraging things close out the end of the year, which is what we were kind of hoping for. And mm-hmm. like there's there's no need to say this team is bad because we've been saying it all year. Mm-hmm. And everything well, that no. could everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Um and now we're just mm-hmm. picking at straws to see, okay, what can what can this team build off of? And next week once right. we get closer to the end of the year, um I'll talk about what I want to see. And that includes, and I think we already talked about moving bias to second base. I want to see that. Yes. Honestly, trade scope for whatever you can get for him. Move bias. Move bias to second. Try to sign the legitimate shortstop. That's basically what the what most of my off-season wish list will be. There we go. We don't have to do it next week. Oh, okay. Then we'll do it in two weeks. I'm kidding. <laughs> Um, in other news, uh, the Pistons made a trade. Yes. One funky name for a different funky name. Plus, was it Saban Lee? Yeah. Was that other part me, of that? That makes me sad. Yeah. But, so here's the deal with this trade. Boyan Bogdanovich, uh, jazz forward, or no, yeah. He's, 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 he's on the wing. He's a sharpshooter. He's a sharpshooter and defensive specialist. Yes. Um, and he's like 33. Or something like that. Um, the Jazz did the fire sale. They got rid of everybody. They're trying to just rebuild from the ground up. Um, and the Pistons got him for Kelly Olenek and Saban Lee. Um, 
he's one of the best three-point shooters in the league um, as far as efficiency-wise. Um, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant trade because you had a roster that was essentially teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not actually. They're all early 20s. But Correct. Yes. Well, this, this move kind of tells me a few things. Number one, there were some rumors that the Pistons were trying to trade for Russell Westbrook solely to get draft picks. Um, right. I don't think this is gonna, that's going to happen anymore because I think Saban Lee and Kelly Olenek were a part of that deal. Um, but this tells me you have bought in to Isaiah Stewart and Jalen Duran being at the five. Yep. Pretty consistently here. Yeah. Um, so I was, I was like, okay, this is, that's telling them where, where they believe or how good they yeah. think. That that's a lot of confidence in two very young men. <laughs> For real. So I, I, I that's going to be, that's going to be interesting to see this year to see how mm-hmm. other teams, big men really um, compete against those two young men. Yeah. And, and is there any growing pains with the added minutes for those guys? Sure. And I think, yeah. I, I think the growing pains will be from Duran because he yes. has got no NBA experience. And because the whole reason that Isaiah Stewart is here is because he's tough, physical, and just like, yeah. you know, he's not going to put up with anything. So, um, he might be that undersized Ben Wallace type mm-hmm. um, at the five. Or even Rodman. I think Rodman played at the five uh, in some parts of his career as well. Um, mm-hmm. So he could be not, he's not going to be, I mean, those are Hall of Famers. So like, let's pump the brakes. <laughs> but I think that's what they envision a type of player being like. Um, so that's number one. Okay. Uh, number two, they're probably not going to make another trade. Uh, number three, this is your veteran leadership that you needed for this young team. Um, and not just veteran leadership of like guys who like are like, you know, like NBA veterans for the sake of being NBA veterans, everyday players. Like this is a guy who's played in the postseason. This is a guy who's, who's gone against LeBron and Mm -hmm. been pretty successful against him. Um, and this is a guy who can kind of write the storm when things don't go according to plan. Um, yeah. But that frees up some space as well. It gives you some spacing for your young guys. If you've got if you've got Bojan on the wing who's ready to sharpshoot, like that's kind of something that the Pistons needed. They didn't have that sharpshooter quite yet. I mean, but Bay, well, I'm backtracking. Bay was that guy, but Bay is yes. one guy. Now you yes. could have both of them at any given time. Wow. Can you imagine the the amount of uh, spacing and offense that you'll get with both of those guys on the floor. That's exciting. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That was number three. Number four, I'm sad to see Saban Lee go because he was that guy that was like on the cusp of like being like a, like a, he was a G League, like Kobe Bryant. The guy was averaging like 60 points last year in the first 10 games of the season. Uh, and it'll be cool to see him just get, uh, consistent playing time because that's what's going to happen in with Utah because mm-hmm. they gutted the roster. He's going to play, um, so that's going to be that's going to be nice uh, to see um, as he develops. And uh, number five, if the Pistons aren't competitive at the trade deadline, they're going to flip this guy. They're going to flip this guy to a contender, get a first round pick. Mm-hmm. That's the plan, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm in the boat that I think. <sighs> Given the ta- the young talent, I don't see 
literally, I don't, I don't see any question why this team can't be the tenth seed in the East. I really don't. And that's that's the crappy thing about the NBA. Like, like you can be the tenth best team in the league right now, and in your in your conference, and have a chance to play at the playoffs. And like that's, I don't think that's an unrealistic goal. That should be a goal for every team, but every team wants to tank. They wanna, they wanna get this tall Frenchman that's coming in. It's apparently like a Cantonese prospect. Okay, that's fine. You got it. There's the Jazz are definitely trying to do that right now by just getting rid of their entire roster. Um, but as far as everybody else, like the Pistons are kind of past that stage of tanking right now. You've got your superstar in the making, Cade Cunningham, which by the way was the only player in the top 100 of the NBA this year from the Pistons. He was the 35th best player in the NBA, according to ESPN, which those lists are whatever you want to think about. But him being the only Piston, kind of like, hmm, Kevin Love was on it. He was like the 96th best player. (laughs) Kevin Love? He doesn't even start on on Cleveland. Throw Sadiq Bey in there. Easy. Um... This team should compete for the tenth seed, mm-hmm. and it's not like oh the Red Wings are going to be in the playoffs. Like, like you can you can have a losing record and be the eighth seed in the East. <laughs> like, right. like, like that's what I'm shooting for. I think anything less than that would be a, a little disappointing. But given that like this team is literally consisted of kids who were born in 2001. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. No shade to Gen Z. Right. Um, but still, um, given the moves, they're calculated moves, they're smart moves, and they're mm-hmm. moves that have contingency plans. Because you can easily take... Bojan can take you to the next level as far as like development of your players. But also, if you don't, then you can trade him, get, get more draft capital. And right. this, this move also prevented him from going to the Lakers. Um, which is cool because, you know, who wants the Lakers to be good? But uh, good move. And something from the Pistons as they round out their roster. Um, so that's mm-hmm. that's fun. And I believe they have one more roster spot given since they traded two for one. Um, so we might see another move uh, in the next few weeks here before preseason starts. Sounds good. Speaking mm-hmm. of preseason, uh, Red Wings preseason starts next Tuesday. That's wow. in four days. Wow. That's wild. Like, that's... I'm so excited. It's, it's so fast. I'm um, so excited. Training camp is currently happening. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Derek Lalonde's first... And probably not first, but, like, first public opportunity to show us what's what's up. Yeah. Um, he was quoted saying, don't look into pairing and... Don't, like... Don't look into the pairings I put out there. Like, it, we're just trying things out. The Blash um, Blunder? <laughs> hopefully not. Um, otherwise, looks like it's been a lot of fun. Um, Elmer Soderbloom is a giant human being, but Massive. also has really soft hands, um, which has been fun to watch. There's a, a clip of him uh, scoring, like, you know, do, just weaving in and out of people, going behind the net, coming around, and then scoring from uh from like four feet away 
Uh, and he has, like, n- no reaction to the goal. He's like, yeah, that happened. But Larkin and Bert are, like, jumping up and down. They're so excited. Um, so I think it will be interesting to see uh, see what happens. See who comes out of this on mm-hmm. as a permanent spot. Um, I don't know who's going to make it. I don't know if Elmer's going to make it. But we'll see. We'll see yeah. what happens. I think it's going to be a good time. If anything, and before we get into this, um, mm-hmm. prospect tournament happened as well um, this past mm-hmm. this past week, and it's smaller than in years past. And I think the NHL is seeing a lot more like prospect so showcases, which is kind of yes. sad because um, I I liked the I was able to go to the prospect tournament before COVID, and it was like really cool because like the, it was actually a tournament and not just like mm-hmm. you play three games and you're done. Um, right. uh, Stuart. Piercy was a name that kind of popped off the page for a lot of people um, and could slide into that like up and down two way forward role um, Mm -hmm. because injuries will happen. Um, So he could be somebody to look for on your radar, um, given, you know, the Soderblooms, the Edmondsons, um, who, you know, dominated that camp. Um, So watch out for him. Um, But I think this logistically and realistically, this is the first season where Eisenman has a roster that has been constructed by him. First year, first year he was able to have a big free agency, sign the players that he wanted to fill those roles and get away from the contracts uh, from the last regime. This is the Eisner plan on ice in, in, in the flesh in real life. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm excited um, because you know you have to look at hockey moves too, in the sense of like, okay, it's not just the players; it's about it's the chemistry that they'll have, uh, you know, right. on the ice. Um, and I'm still looking at that Andrew Cop contract because he had a breakout year. Mm-hmm. I think he scored 23 goals, but that's also his career high. Um, and you gave him a six-year contract um, for like, what was it? it was five mil, five point two five mil already? Mm-hmm. that's yeah. a lot of faith in a guy who just came off of a breakout year now is that Eisenman trying to look at the future and say this is a guy who's going to consistently score 25-30 goals um, and I don't think he's going to be like oh I'm trying to be smarter than everybody else but this is this is where Eisenman's knowledge of the game knowledge of players comes into play here with these deals because um, like yes Kopp was a big center signing I'm trying not to ramble here. Um, but I was also like immediately kind of like thinking to myself, really? Like when that deal was right. made. Um, right. But you sign a Perron, um, who's a perennial goal scorer and a perennial playoff performer uh, as well. Um, you make the, the moves on the, on the blue line. Um, you do the Sherratt deal, which no one in the hockey world seemed to think was a very good deal off the bat. But right. It's Eisenman, so he's trying to look into the look into the future off of this. Um, but a roster which Eisenman has actually constructed should excite mm-hmm. Red Wings fans everywhere. A Billy Billy Huso as well. Yes. To go to do to do the one two goalie tandem again. Whoever's mm-hmm. hot will be the guy, and essentially the same type of goalie. That Nadalkovich yes. was. Nadalkovich had so that. They have opposite on schedules. <laughs> Correct. But like 
But like Nadalkovich had that breakout year, and then Eisenman mm-hmm. gets him, and then Huso had somewhat of a breakout year. Eisenman goes gets him. Like they had like mm-hmm. the same arc. Um, mm-hmm. So very, very intriguing, very exciting as we get into the the preseason and we get to actually see what some of these guys on the fringe look like against NHL talent. Um, yeah, but sure. that's where I'm at with that. I know that kind of. You gave some stats. I kind of went in a different direction. But do you have any other oh, okay. closing thoughts? Um, no, not really. Uh, I know that Lidstrom was in. He's watching the tournament. He's there on site, um, which feels like a big deal. I don't know. Coming in all the way from Sweden to watch a watch training camp. Sure. Uh, I know it's part of his job, but it still feels like it's a big it's a big deal. Um. I, yeah, I'm really excited for this season. I'm hoping I'm not going to get, like, disappointed, which is mm-hmm. how we all feel, I'm sure. But I am tentatively very excited for this for this season. I'm just ready for hockey to be back. Me too. I miss hockey so, so much. And given the season we've had with the poor old Tigers, I'm just ready for something exciting and good to happen to us. Because we need positive things to talk about desperately. Mm-hmm. Me, three, dog. Yeah. I think, um, like, the last thing I'll put out here um, is that Derek uh, Derek Lalonde was asked about Dylan Larkin. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, we have a real captain here. And then he compared him to, um, compared him to Stamkos on Tampa. And, like, he's just... He said he's all about the details, uh, helping the team, making sure that everything gets done on and off the ice, which and we've had this conversation many times about our, our initial doubts about Larkin as captain. And then, like, as we've seen him progress and just, like, really being confident in him. But I think for that to be shown to a brand new coach is also very encouraging. And the Stamkos mm-hmm. comparison is, like, you just kind of want to jump out of your seat and cheer for that, right? Like, Yes. Absolutely. You can't help but get excited for that. And I also think it was very interesting how everybody and their mom was like, Dylan Larkin's going to be the next captain of the Red Wings once, you know, Zetterberg mm-hmm. retired. But there were yep. people that were like, is he ready? Eiserman comes in, doesn't name the captain, and then names him when he thinks Larkin is ready. And now yep. you're beginning to see, Lalonde wouldn't just say that, right? No. No. Like, that's, or he wouldn't, or he just wouldn't, like, have that like stark of a comparison like right th- like everybody will hype up their guys but that's usually like in the midst of truth like no one's gonna straight up lie about somebody right and uh you know all of our questions about larkin's maturity um have kind of seemed to pass because he's grown in that maturity and now he's actually mm-hmm. like uh, like a real leader and even with yep. the contract discussions too Larkin made a comment on that this past weekend. It was like, you know, I'm not, I'm like, I want to be a Red Wing. I want to be here. Mm-hmm. Now that's, I'm leaving that to my agent for him to get that done. We've said, I, I've said that, like, we don't need to be worried about this kind yeah. of negotiation. Where he wants to be, at least. Right. Yeah. Like he, like, and a player's like, you know, I'm going to leave that up to, you know, whatever. Like, I'm going to look at options. He's like, no, I want to be a Red Wing. I'm not concerned about it because my agent is taking care of it. Yep. That that's that's very different than you know. Oh, I'd love to be a tiger, but you know we'll see how it goes. He's like, no, my agent's taking care of it. 
Mm-hmm. Like he's trying, he's working out the things to get it done. Yep. Absolutely. So. Which is encouraging. Yep. Um, we're over time. Do you have any other thoughts to wrap up the other day? Nope. Sounds good. Do you want to take us out? Do you want me to? You can. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Rate us five stars, leave a comment, share with a friend, all those good things. We appreciate you listening. We will see you next week. Salute.